0: Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training training.debrarrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. Our non-U.S. counterparts still look at U.S. businesses and wonder why we still write paper checks. It's no secret that checks cost more to produce than, say, ACH payments, um, not to mention maybe credit cards or instant payments. So why are U.S. companies still writing paper checks? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 240, Seven Reasons Why Paper Checks Are Still Used for B2B Payments in the U.S. Now, I have to say, this is not a formal survey. This is um, what I have seen based on, uh, again, the IOFM conference that I attended uh, two weeks ago or mid-May of 2023. And last week on episode 239, I talked about um, some of the things I learned from the attendees in my sessions about combating fraud. So this time I thought I would share uh, reasons why when I talked to you know attendees at the conference, they said that they were still... Uh, writing paper checks. So it's not a formal survey. Um, But in addition to that, I also have some clients that are still writing checks, and they had one or two interesting reasons why. And then I also, as a practitioner before I came out as a training consultant and speaker, used to manage the payments functions for all of the vendors or all of the payments. And yes, we still had check payments. So I thought I would share with you the reasons that I have seen. Now, these can be your reasons. Maybe you have different reasons. And if you do, by the way, I would love for you to email me at deborah at deborahrichardson.com. And you can get that email also in the show notes. But let me know what reason your company has for still sending out paper checks. Okay. So the first one is refunds. Now, let's say you are a a telecom company, you're a utility company, and you collected or your company collected deposits from customers. At some point, those uh, refunds of those deposits, if the customers are eligible, are going to need to be refunded or paid to the customer. Now, This was actually the reason why we had so many checks uh, when I was a practitioner is because we had a lot of customer refunds, and you are not going to ask the customers for their banking information. Uh, So you're going to write them a check. Now, I have heard of some companies using like vendor self-registration portals as uh, customer registration portals, I guess, is a great word for it. But they use that for the customers to come in and uh, if not input their banking information, then to register to get a card, right, so that they can be refunded on the card or however that is done. But the easiest way is to just write a check. Now, I will tell you the downside of that is that customers rarely tell you when they move. So when you send out um, thousands of checks because um, you are a utility company or a telecom company and then half of them come back, now you have to deal with um, storing those checks and also uh, reissuing them depending on what you're your customer refund policy is. All right. So that was one refund, customer refunds. Now the next one is you just don't have any banking information. And so I was working with a client and one of their uh, policies was that they defaulted to a check payment method if the vendor did not submit any banking information? Now, I know a lot of you out of the, uh, out there as a result of the pandemic and maybe even some initiatives before the pandemic uh, require an ACH, but what if you do not have your vendors banking? The fail-safe is to uh, issue them a check payment because you most likely will have their remit, uh, their remit address or their physical or PO box or some type of address, right? So you're going to go ahead and you will be able to issue uh, a check for the vendor's goods and services. Um, again, you most likely will have an address because it'll probably be um, on the invoice that you use to process, um, so that you you can generate that payment. Um, and so I see a lot of that uh, with clients that don't have purchase orders, because typically they will require a copy of the invoice um, to be submitted with the request to set up the vendor and uh, and then um, the subsequent payment. And so on the invoice, you will have the address. So if you don't have any banking, um, then set them up as a check payment. Now keep that in mind for the next one. It's a great segue because the third reason is to avoid fraud. Um, talking about not having any banking information. So let's say um, you want to avoid fraud and you have positive pay, payee positive pay, or reverse positive pay set up with your bank. So if the Check that is presented. It, the information on the check is any different than the file that you sent to the bank, or um, it's different from what you uh, what you know you wrote the check for when you're checking the bank and, uh, the uh, banking system. Their tool so you can reject payments. Um, but the bottom line is is if it doesn't match the check that's presented doesn't match what you paid, then that check will be rejected and fraud will be averted. Now, this must have been right on the tip of everybody's minds for this one school district. So I read about this in a new scam alert where A school district was hit by fraud and it was a classic business email compromise where a fraudster submitted a request to change a vendor's banking. The fraudulent request was processed and the uh, school district lost those funds to fraud. And so what they did to avoid that whole bank change process, right, is they changed or switched all of their payment methods all to check. Now they did this because they had positive pay for their check payments and that would cover them for fraud. Now I have to tell you when I read that, the first thing I did was cringe because again, fraudsters are still targeting checks. But if the Uh, bank is going to reject any counterfeit checks, then that might be a little more coverage than ACH payments, especially if you do not have uh, authentication techniques, internal controls, and best practices in place when you are collecting those banking details for ACH payments. So I have to say that during the pandemic or right at the beginning of it, I started to see a lot of people just automatically convert to ACH payments from check payments. I understood why it was hard to get those checks signed, right? When people weren't in the office, we all heard those stories about people or managers being in the driveways, trying to sign checks. But the Not having those controls in place when you're collecting that banking information is a huge deal and it does lead you to fraud. And I don't care what you guys say about you or your team members, your eagle eye is just not going to catch all of the fraud that is out there is being perpetrated for the changing of bank details or even for remittance information for uh, check payments where you send the check payments to the fraudsters are after that as well, but there is some fraud protection in place from the bank, and it is for ACH payments too. But you do have to catch that within the threshold time period to recall those funds. The next reason is actually one another reason why we or I, as a practitioner, was still is, uh, issuing checks. And this brought along another control that we could not enforce. And so this is the checks that you have to issue to government agencies, regulatory agencies that still require a check to be submitted with whatever application and other documents that also need to be submitted with payment. So Maybe they could take a card, but the internal employee that's, you know, completing the application and doing that process doesn't have a P-card. And so it's just easier to walk in or mail in all the documentation required with a check. Now, this brings up the no-no I was talking about. So, as an internal control, when you have a check, you are not supposed to um, send that check to anyone else except the payee. So, it goes into the mail um, and it goes directly to the payee. But if you have a situation where an internal employee has filled out the application or an application has filled out other documents that are required, for whatever they're getting it, uh, getting it for like a license or something. um, then you either have to do one or two things. You have to send that, um, check to the employee and then have them put it with their paperwork and send it off. Right. Um, or you have to, if you want to keep that internal control intact, And only send it to the payee, then you have to get that application documents, whatever has to go with that check. You have to get that printed out and then put it all together with the check, put it in a applicable envelope and then mail that out. I have to tell you that that was a hard thing to do. We tried to get our internal team members to scan in the paperwork that was required to go with the check. And then somehow, and I remember this specifically for SAP, somehow we were able to get them to send it through, attach it somewhere in SAP. And then we would go in there, grab that attachment, print it out and send it. I don't even know how we made that work now, but I will tell you, it didn't work. Um, It was too much manual um, back and forth um, because they wanted to make sure that we had all the right information. We didn't know if we did or not. So it was just too much back and forth, too many inquiries. uh, And we ended up just sending those checks back to the folks that requested it. We didn't have a lot of it, but again, That is against the controls. When you write a check, you are supposed to send that check directly to the payee and not to anyone else um, as a way to avoid internal fraud. Okay, so that was a little bit of a digression, but it was still an issue that we had with those uh, checks that we had to write to government agencies. All right, so the next one, and this is number five. I don't know if I said the other numbers, but this one's number five. And it is controlling cash flow. And honestly, this one was a part of my last practitioner position as well. Um, because, well, actually, not so much anymore since uh since checks can pre can be presented digitally, like e-checks, but some companies and definitely my company at that time, um, thought that there was some value in working capital in the float of those checks. Now, it's not just large companies where I I have been, but also small and medium-sized businesses too because they take advantage of that check float. So if they pay by credit card or ACH, the funds would be out of their accounts much quicker than the presentation of a check because of the float you get when uh, in the mailing time. So it's really the mailing time because once the check is received, it could be presented digitally and that money is out that day, uh, that same day. But it's the float time of getting that check to the vendor via mail. Now, I didn't say this and maybe it's uh, can be Consider the opposite of controlling cash flow. But if you think about the mail and how long it takes to get checks, a long time, or for many checks, if there were vendors that for whatever reason we didn't pay, we were late paying them and they were being paid by checks and they were a strategic or a key vendor, we would have to FedEx those checks. So, so much for controlling cash flow because now, right, how much ever money it took to generate that check between. Um, you know, the printer and the checks and the other tools and the people. now you gotta put the FedEx costs on top of that. so you know i I don't know where that is in the working capital analysis, but that used to be an issue too, and we didn't do it all the time, but we did it enough that it was probably a significant uh expense line item. All right, so that was number five, so we have two more. The next one is international payments. So this one actually came from a client because when I was a practitioner, we actually had, uh, we paid via ACH or wire, some type of electronic payment when we pay international vendors. But we also had uh, accounts in some of those local countries or in those uh, countries so that we could pay right in their local. Currency or whatever the requirements were. So we we hardly ever, if I remember at all, issued checks for non-US or international payments. But some uh, clients um, that I have had, and maybe this is true for you too, uh, don't pay internationally electronically. You don't do ACH payments, you don't do wire payments. And so the other option then is to pay by check. And there are also fees associated with paying electronically. So, wire fees, ACH fees for those cross border payments. Uh, Usually, many checks have no processing fees. It depends on the financial institution, but it could be cheaper to make international payments via check. All right, so that was number six. The last one is really just a fail safe and it's because companies are more familiar with the check payment method and the accounts receivable teams and the AP or accounts payable departments are designed to accommodate check payment, paper check payments. Um, This could have decreased since the pandemic, especially for those companies that are fully remote, but At any time, most companies can produce a check. It's easy. You don't have to search for banking details. And so it is just a default. All right, so those are the seven. I'm gonna go ahead and repeat them. Uh, So the seven reasons why paper checks are still being used for B2B payments in the US, one is customer refunds. Two is uh, you don't have the vendor's banking information. Three is you want to avoid fraud and take advantage of positive pay. Uh, Four is you have to issue checks for government agencies, regulatory agencies that require additional paperwork um, and uh, cannot be paid easily using uh, an ACH. And number five is. Controlling cash flow, so you think you're going to get some working capital benefits from the check float. Uh, Number six is making international payments via check can be cheaper, uh, especially if you don't have accounts set up internationally. And then number seven is just companies are more familiar and more able to issue a check. Now, I do want to say that issuing checks can have other drawbacks. So when I talked about that company or uh, school district that um, because of the fraud that they suffered reverted to check payments, I am often asked if there are any issues with vendors banking, if they can or should just revert everybody to check payments. As a matter of fact, I got that question a lot when the two banks um, collapsed, the Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank, because everybody wanted to, or the vendor teams that reached out to me wanted to just revert all those folks to check payments bad part about that is, is that especially if you've been paying someone by ACH for a while, you have no idea if their remittance information is still valid, right? Because a lot of times vendors will not tell you if their information has changed, if it does not affect their payments. And You know that because you guys all know that you do the bulk upload of the IRS 10 match to make sure the legal name and tax ID still match before you send the 1099s out and do the filing. And you do that because you know the vendor probably won't tell you um, if something has changed and you don't want your company to be liable for any uh, fees or penalties assessed by the IRS because you send... Uh, that uh, 1099 information or file that and it's incorrect. Same thing with the addresses. So I will say that if you're going to revert anything to check payment methods, then you need to make sure that you do a bulk upload of your vendor master file, the addresses, and just verify that that information is valid. Now I have on my vendor validation reference list, which there's a link to that in the show notes, a link to a company called Smarty. And I talk about them all the time. Um, but smarty.com and also melissadata.com, you can upload the addresses. And I know with smarty, it will one format it for you, standardize it. And this is international or, uh, us it'll format it for you so that it's mailable, but smarty will also tell you whether or not that address is mailable, whether or not, um, or if it is rather um vacant inactive or a PO box only. So if you're going to flip anything to all check payments, do a bulk upload and I recommend smarty.com of your addresses to make sure that when you send all those checks out, you're not going to get half of them back. All right. So if you have any other reasons that you are still writing check payments, I am sure I have not covered them all. Um, I started off with four and then I started thinking more and it grew to seven. So I'm sure there's more out there. Please email me, Deborah at DeborahR Richardson.com. That's also in the show notes and let me know the reasons that your company is still issuing checks. So thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 240th episode of the putting the AP in happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.